pops a cork in five, four, three, two. Welcome to episode number 451 of the School of Podcasting's morning announcements. I just spent the entire weekend working on the podcast awards. I just got done doing the live broadcast. We'll talk about that today, what it's like to look stupid and live to tell about it. And uh, the interesting thing, and I'll definitely be talking about this more in the future, is it's interesting. We always say how, you know, there are best practices, maybe in podcasting, you can do whatever you want. But all I hear from people is I want to grow my audience. I want to grow my audience. I want to connect with my audience. I want more people to pay attention to my show. And I go there and like, number one, there's no contact page. And if there is a contact page, it's got links to send you over to Twitter, over to Facebook, over to Google Plus, over to LinkedIn. I'm like, hey, I'm right here right now. I would like to contact you with, I don't know, email. I'm pretty sure most people have email. Have you met somebody under the age of, I don't know, uh, over the age of three that doesn't have email? And yet you're like, going, yeah, I, I don't know why I'm getting any feedback. Uh, I was amazed at how many people don't have links to iTunes. And what was really interesting about this, Serial, Reply All, and Startup. Some of the hottest pod, hottest names in podcasting, and I'm not putting them down. I'm not. I'm, there's no judgment here. It's just interesting that they don't have an iTunes link on their website yet. They just blow through the charts. That is the power of word of mouth marketing. Now today is going to be a bit of a shorter shorter show because I'm pooped, <laughs> and I actually recorded this earlier and it sounded like crap. So we're going to kick off today uh, episode number four fifty one. I've got a phenomenal interview with Jeff Brown from the lead to be lead easy for me to say lead to read podcast. And uh, much like that one, we're going to have some typos at the end of the class. Hey, and speaking of typos, let's get Jeff's website, right? Shall we? It's read to lead.com. And the other cool thing about um, Jeff, of course, is he is the man behind podcaster Academy com. Wait till you hear his philosophy on editing. Wait till you hear about how he does interviews. It's I originally was going to interview Jeff for this this episode I want to do where I'm going to take pieces and parts from people I've interviewed from radio. And Jeff was so good. I'm just like, I got to put this out. And uh, I am looking forward to that. I got to interview uh, Philip Keller yet, better known as Trapper Jack. So uh, with that, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to take a breath. And uh, say, say it with me. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Oh, podcasting since 2005. I am your very own personal podcast coach. Right there in your pocket, in your ears. And I've come along to help you massage your message, tackle the technology, and flatten the learning curve and get you on your way to pain-free podcasting. Our website is schoolofpodcasting.com. And um, I, uh, I'll just say this right here. I just got doing the podcast awards announcements. I've been working all weekend with uh, Rick Calvert uh, from the New Media Expo. Of course, the podcast awards Tuesday in, uh, not this Tuesday, Tuesday, April 14th in uh, Las Vegas, hosted by Dennis Miller and Emily Morse from Sex with Emily. I want to say a big shout out to Kathy Kelly of Special Mouse, who is a uh, member of the School of Podcasting, and uh, she has been nominated in the travel category, so congratulations to uh, to Kathy. And um, I want to say a special thanks to... Uh, all the people who volunteered to review the different podcasts that were nominated. We had set up an original plan and to make a long story short, I'm not sure exactly why, but everything got pushed back. And in the end, we ended up having a lot less time to do the reviews than we expected. And I said, Hey, here's the deal. I know we've changed the plan. We've changed the rules on you. You know, if you can't do it, that's fine. Let me know. And I went out to some of the communities. I said, we do have some podcasts that need reviewed. And it was cool to have people. It was, it was kind of humbling in my case that it wasn't so much that they wanted to review podcasts is they wanted to help me because I knew I was in a pickle. That was really cool. 
And so sure enough, you know, we all stayed up late and, you know, we we're going over these things and listening to podcasts and rating them and this whole nine yards. Cause we had to have multiple people review these categories and, uh, to make a long story short, not everybody got theirs in on time and literally, you know, a couple of hours before we're doing the announcements, we actually let somebody submit a sheet, uh, even though we shouldn't have. Um, and so we're, we're doing, we're recalculating the numbers and this and that. So literally, um, minutes before we went live, I was pasting numbers into this PowerPoint presentation and either didn't save my changes or what, but I'm, I'm, I'm freaking out and, uh, just checking to make sure I have something on every slide. Well, somehow it didn't. And there I was live in front of about 150 people. And I went to my next slide and it was empty and I went, Oh, okay. Now this is where being a trainer, you know, I've been teaching technology for over 20 years. You know, the computer is not always your friend. I don't know if you know that or not. They're kind of like dogs. Sometimes if you just take your hand and put it on the monitor and go, it's okay. I'm your friend. They'll actually behave better. But I, there it was and you know, egg just going all over my face. And I just went, Hey Rick, why don't you read the, uh, the nominees while I fix this? And, um, it was fine, you know, in the end. So for all those people that are like, ah, I'm afraid about starting a podcast cause I might look stupid. I'm here to tell you, I look stupid tonight. And, uh, you know, uh, we are learning, this is the first year we've done the podcast awards and much like when you start podcasting and you go, man, this took a whole lot more time than we thought. The podcast awards took a whole lot more time than we thought. And, uh, aside from breaking to, uh, eat a sandwich, uh, I've been going at this for 14 hours today. And so I'm just here to tell you, you know, you know, we, uh, I know the one category we listed, we had nine nominees instead of 10, you know, because when I copied and pasted, I think I didn't get them all or something happened there. So it wasn't the smoothest thing, but here's the thing. Aside from me telling you that, some of you may not have noticed. That was amazing how many people did via tweet. They're like, hey, there was only nine in that category. Like, okay. But I looked stupid. We looked exactly like we were. We were a little rushed. And in the end, everything was fine, except for the fact that maybe you didn't get nominated. And I'm going to tell you right now, you ready for some, some, we talk about valuable content. This is valuable content. Write this down. Put it in Evernote. Put it somewhere that you will remember this next year. This is how you win the podcast awards. You ready? You go to your audience and you tell them what to do. You say, uh, my buddy Daniel J. Lewis, who did get nominated for the Audacity to Podcast, and are you just watching and be on the to-do list? There's a bunch of things from Noodle.mx that uh, were nominated. And I think part of it is because Daniel... Uh, has won an award, and this is how you do it. You tell your audience what to do. You don't say, please nominate me, because here's what happened. There were a lot of podcasts that were nominated in this category. They were in general. They were in this. They were in best produced. They were in this and that. And if you said, no, 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 no. Vote for me in this category. Then you harness the power of your audience and you get a whole bunch of votes in one category as opposed to a bunch of nominations in six categories. That is how you get to the top because I saw that a lot and was like, ooh, wow, that's a bummer. And uh, there are some big shows that, that, that didn't make it to the top. That was, that was kind of interesting. And I'll be talking, there's some things we're going to do for people that were, we announced the top 10 tonight for finalists. And I was talking with Rick and um, if you were 11 through 20, you're going to get notified. Now, I, I know it sucks to say, hey, guess what? You didn't make it to the finalists. But if I was them, I would want to know I made it to the top 20. And then say, by the way, next year, you might want to put an iTunes link and an RSS link. Here's the other. That's the other one. I, I So many websites, they have two buttons, a Facebook button and an iTunes button. And on one hand, we can say that Apple owns the market because of so many iPhones. The other thing is nobody's putting the RSS feed. If you're using an Android phone, depending on the scenario, depending on the software you're using, um, if you want to manually subscribe to a feed in whatever podcatcher you're using on the Android device, 
you need the RSS feed and the iTunes feed won't work in most cases and nobody's putting the RSS feed there. That was another one that was amazing. So I'll definitely be talking about that in the future, but uh, I want to get to the interview I did with Jeff Brown, super nice guy. And um, originally I, I, like I said, I brought him on to talk a little bit about radio and to get his insights and I was going to mix it in and there's just, there's great stuff here about um, identifying your target audience. There's interesting things here about interviews. There's interesting things here about organizing and how it works behind radio. So without further ado, let me get you and uh, let's, let's listen to this interview with Jeff. Joining me via Skype. So glad to have him. He, is this still right? You were in radio for 26 years. Yeah, almost to the day, actually. Uh, and I know that because my first day on the air at my first job in radio was on July the 4th. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in 1987. And so I, I remember, and my last day on <laughs> in radio was June uh, 17th, 2013. So a month shy of, of, uh, of 26 years. Yeah. yeah, almost. And of course, that is the, the golden tones of Jeff <laughs> Brown. So over those 26 years... Was radio changing? Was it always evolving or was it kind of, you know, kind of the same as when you, when you got into it? Uh, it really was evolving. I, I started to see in, in mid last decade, um, I, I came to the realization that, you know, radio was going to be eventually impacted the way the music industry was impacted, the way print had been impacted, the way television is being impacted sort of as we speak. Uh, and that started for me around 2008 with the realization you know, that the internet was going to, you know, level the playing field to a degree and, and things like social media uh, were going to need to be uh, leveraged in, in a major way. In 2008, you know, Facebook was in its infancy still and was by no means uh, ubiquitous like it is today. Uh, only four years old at the time. Twitter was a couple of years old. Uh, YouTube was a couple of years old, but I recognized that that radio was going to need to embrace uh, these uh, uh, platforms as much as anybody, if we, if we wanted to truly engage in, uh, with our with our audience in a, in, a, in a way, and so I made it my mission to just wrap my brain around all that and and how these various things, not just social media but other things, w was going to impact radio in my view, and just learn them, understand them, begin to leverage them, and and as I did that, and by this time, by the way, I was off the air. I was working sort of behind the scenes as operations director and in charge of marketing at the radio station. And so I was at, at a desk, you know, all day long. I wasn't uh, behind the microphone, you know, four or five hours a day any longer. And uh, I'd gotten tired of getting up at three o'clock in the morning, frankly. And <laughs> <laughs> I just hold fast. Uh, I don't know how some people do it for decades. I did it for six years. That's all I can handle. Uh, but uh, I just began soaking up everything I could related to those things and, and align myself with, with folks like Mark Ramsey of Mark Ramsey media, who I, in, in my view, uh, is a genius. He's, he's a, a researcher, uh, by, by trade, uh, and, and, a radio, um, futurist, you might say, and really, um, uh, believe in, uh, to this day into everything he preaches and wanted to make sure that, that, that my stations, uh, Way FM uh, has stations all over the country, and I wanted to to make sure that my stations was ready for the for this ebb and flow of changes that was about to hit us. Now, having said all that, um, I, I think radio uh, still misses the boat by and large. I, I was reading some podcast related article the other day, um, uh, and they were interviewing some radio folks about you know uh, serial and 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 all this you know, barrage of new people coming to podcasting. And uh, the radio exec they were interviewing acted as if podcasting was in no way a threat to radio. And his, his, his statement was, well, you can't podcast traffic reports as if to say that, you know, radio is willing to hang its hat and its future on traffic reports. <laughs> and it weather. Just, Don't forget weather. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just boggles my mind. I, I was literally this morning uh, traveling in rush hour traffic for the first time in I don't know how long to attend a breakfast, uh, uh that, that I was uh, putting together. And, um, typically when I'm traveling uh, for any length of time, I'll pull up the Waze app uh, on my phone and it will tell me in advance if I've got any issues or even Google now it's good for that. But I, I failed to do that this morning and I found myself very quickly 
in some really gnarly rush hour traffic. And, and I hadn't listened to the radio in a while. I turned the radio on and listened for, I think, about an hour. About how, it was about how long I was stuck in the traffic. The first 30 minutes, I heard two traffic reports, uh, and <laughs> neither of which mentioned the problem I was in. And it just reminded me why I don't listen to the radio any longer, or one of the reasons anyway, yeah. um, for, for radio people, uh, industry people to think that, you know, local traffic and weather or anything else local is going to be what saves you. You know, I, I don't need the radio for any of that. I've got apps on my phone that bring me all that information in an instant, rather than listening to your, uh, to your station and having to wait on you to get around bringing that information to me. And I really think radio's in for a rude awakening and by and large, with few exceptions, is is going to to miss the boat. And now back to the same, you know, 40 songs you've heard 8 million times, because I really, I, I can't make it through the day until I hear You Shook Me All Night Long by ACDC <laughs> one more time. Well, the station I was listening to this morning is is often the number one station in the market. And for the time that I was listening, I heard some, some decent music, but oftentimes uh, those songs were uh, came to an abrupt end or, or ended what I would consider to be prematurely, you know, <laughs> and, 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 and I heard, uh, you know, they did their, uh, what was the game they were playing? Uh, I guess our secret celebrity. And they played some celebrity quote, it must've been a half a dozen times and took phone calls as people tried to guess that. I'm thinking, this is your idea of compelling and engaging content. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, that's what you're going to give me today. Yeah, and it. so, I, j I just don't understand what they're thinking. And this was a station, again, that's, that's often tops in the market. Yeah. Time to beat the toaster. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, um, you mentioned getting up at three in the morning. What is a typical, you know, obviously you, you said you worked some behind the scenes. Kind of describe what's a typical like prep session for a day on the radio. Uh, well, different, uh, different jocks do it uh, different ways. But for me and my co-host, uh, when I was last on the air, I, uh, we would ar uh, arrive at the station about 4.30 uh, in the morning. Uh, we happened to uh, uh, work our show so that the first hour from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. was tracked the day before. And so uh, the first thing we would do when we got off the air uh, on a typical morning is track the first hour of the ne next day's show. Now, not everybody does it that way. This just happened to be the way we did it. So, and so, from, so what would that be exactly for somebody who's like not a radio person? They go, what, what does track mean? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we would pre-record uh, that first uh, hour of the show. Um, and, and sometimes that would be recycled bits from that day's show that maybe came later in the show. Got it. That those are, who are up really, really early would not have heard. And so we would recycle those and that would become our first hour of the next day. And so from 4.30 when we uh, would arrive until 6 when that uh, pre-recorded hour ended, we would be prepping for that day's show, at least for the 6th uh, a.m. to 9 a.m. portion uh, of the show. Uh, and, and for me, that would be scouring the Internet. That would be, uh, you know, various news sources, uh, just making sure that I had a handle or, or a, you know, uh, my finger on the pulse of what was happening in the world. And then uh, taking all that information and then filtering it through uh, uh, that word that podcasters like to use, uh, our avatar. And we called it in radio listener profile. And so there was a very specific individual that we filtered anything and everything through that we were going to put on the air. And we had to answer the question, does this person, does this persona care about that? And if the answer was yes, then it was much more likely to get on the air, obviously, if, uh, than if the answer was, was no. Now, did you match, like, were you your own avatar? Me? No, no. no. Uh, it was uh, adult contemporary uh, was the format and, and the uh, uh, pr uh, listener profile or, or the avatar was a 28 year old uh, mom, uh, mother of two, uh, married to Michael. Her name is Jessica. She works part time outside the home. Uh, they go to church, you know, uh, two three times a month. Uh, she loves these, you know, X number of TV shows, that sort of thing. So how would you then? Because to me, anything I want to talk about, if it doesn't excite me, I'm kind of <laughs> lost. So yeah, how did that work? When you're like, great, uh, we're going to talk about you know uh, potluck recipes today. <laughs> well, I, I always tried to do a show uh, that was not a show that could be done any day of the year. Now, there were exceptions to that. What I, what I mean is, you know, potluck recipes. And I know that you were just you know, being right. funny and making up an example, but that's something uh, that, that could be done in, on any show on any day. Uh, but for us, what we tried to do is, is make the show specific to that day and, and, and try to understand 
what was on Jessica's mind that morning? What was she excited about? What was she concerned about? And, 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 and if we could wrap our heads around that and focus on that, uh, then we had the opportunity to have a good show. Now, was it a little unusual being a guy? Well, sure, sure. But I'm, I'm married to a Jessica. You know, and so for me, it was just, you know, putting her in, in that role and thinking of her as that person. Uh, and, and obviously, you know, I enjoy interacting with my wife and, and having conversations with my wife and thinking about how my wife is impacted by things going on in the world or how those things would impact her. Uh, and uh, and so that's that's how it worked for me. My co-host happened to be a woman uh, who was single. And so, and she was also African-American. So you had black, white, you had male, female, you had single married. And so, uh, you know, we, between the two of us, you know, uh, six uh, uh, very uh, relatively uh, unique uh, groups there that we were qualified to, to um, uh, speak for, I guess you would say. Mm -hmm. Now, were you taking phone calls at all or? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Lots of, uh, lots of listener interaction, getting opinions on various topics. Uh, but I mean, it varied, but sometimes there were things that were entertainment driven. Sometimes they were, uh, you know, topics of a, of a, of a sort of a heart tugging type nature. Uh, sometimes it would be topics of a spiritual uh, nature. Uh, but we were always constantly working uh, listener phone calls uh, and, and making the listener uh, as, as much of the show as we possibly could. So as we kind of now point ourselves towards podcasting, now that you're doing podcasting. To me, that's one of the coolest things about when I do a, a live quote podcast, I don't know how, what you, how you would describe that. Uh, you know, that's one of the things I love is having a chat room where I'm getting instant feedback and taking phone calls and things like that. As you now are doing read to lead, you know, what are the biggest differences you see between podcasting and, and radio? And, and what do you think a podcaster can learn from, from, you know, you, you kind of, as you, work your podcast, you go, man, I'm glad I have those years on radio because blank. Yeah. A good question. One of the things I felt like, uh, I have learned as much as anything. And, and the thing I try to pass along to my clients is, uh, to make sure that I'm not doing things that, that I would, this is how I would put it, not doing things that, that strip away layers of intimacy. Uh, th this audio medium that we're a part of is a very intimate medium by its very nature, but oftentimes podcasters will inadvertently strip away layers of that intimacy without realizing they're, they're doing it. Um, I, I had a talent coach, uh, my co-hosts and I had, had, had talent coaches that we, that we worked with regularly who helped us understand some of these concepts and, and, and realize how important it is to always think of, for example, you know, Jessica, that persona, we would create that. And oftentimes it would be easy to forget that that though we would try to filter content uh, through that persona, uh, we would do it in, in, in sort of a um, uh, plural sense. And, and, and our talent coaches were always drilling into us, no, your listener, that person you're talking to is indeed that, a person. It's one person. And anything and everything you say directed to the listener should be directed at one individual. That way, when she's in her car and, and she hears you using words and phrases that are singular, I don't mean to get too technical here, but then she feels like you're talking straight to her and every Jessica in every car in that moment feels like you're talking right to her. You know, you'll hear podcasters often do things when they attempt to address the listener, say within the context of an interview like this one, maybe they're talking to their guest and they'll pause for a moment. And they'll say, well, for those of you listening, mm. you know, to differentiate that they're talking to somebody other than the guest now. And I think it's, uh, it, it, we don't have to work that hard at it. It can be as easy as using, you know, the pronoun you, for example, uh, and what follows in, in that sentence where you're going to address the listener, while it's not obvious at the, at the very beginning of the sentence, maybe by the time you finish the sentence, it's obvious you're not talking to your guest. It's obvious you're talking to the listener. Uh, but you've used a word like you, uh, uh, which applies to everybody, but is it singular at the same time, if that makes sense. And so uh, another technique is to refer to your guest in the third person. Uh, and I encourage uh, my clients throughout the course of an interview to occasionally begin a question uh, by referring to their, their guest in the third person, meaning I'm talking to you, the listener right now, without telegraphing things like, well, for those of you listening, I want to say this to you now. I would instead say, um, well, in chapter five of his new book, uh, Seth says that blah, 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 blah. Seth, tell me a little bit more about, and, I, and I've just effortlessly gone from starting with the listener and then 
moving to to the guest without all of this sort of pronouncements of who I'm going to talk to now or who I'm going to direct this to now. And it makes it very personal, makes it very intimate. Uh, and again, going back to what I said uh, at the very outset, uh, the, the listener walks away feeling as if they've participated in what has often been a pre-recorded conversation rather than having been relegated to being uh, the fly on the wall of one. And, and oftentimes when I hear podcasters who do interview driven podcasts, uh, they, they do a very good job at the outset of, 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 of addressing the listener directly. That's the only person there at the beginning. Who else would you be talking to, right? But as soon as the guest comes on, we, we forget about the listener and we don't address them again in any sort of personal, intimate way until the interview's over. And I've even, uh, hear a lot of folks who even will telegraph the fact that the interview that you're about to hear is pre-recorded. In other words, the beginning of this podcast is pre-recorded, but I'm talking to you like you're here right now. But I, I'm going to tease this thing I'm about to play for you that I did the other day. And, and it becomes this recording within a recording. Yeah. Sort of like uh, uh, the movie Inception where it's a dream within a dream, <laughs> right. you know? And, and so I encourage my clients to, instead of referring to, in the beginning of your podcast, this, this interview that you recorded last Friday, treat it about, like it's this thing that's about to happen. You know, there's, there's some theatrics here too. Treat it uh, like it's a thing that you haven't experienced yourself and treat it like a thing that you and your listener are about to experience together and for the first time. And when you can do that, you, you, you put those layers of intimacy back into the podcast rather than, than stripping them away. And uh, I, and I know one of my pet peeves is when I hear somebody say, you know, you're, you're, they're talking to you and then they'll say, we'll continue that right after this. And they go to a commercial break as opposed <laughs> to the person that just starts doing the, Hey, speaking of that, let me tell you about this. And I know they're doing a commercial, but they're still with me. And, yeah. and I remember, I won't say their name, but I remember I was really into a, an episode and I really love the topic. And he just said, you know, kind of that same thing. We'll be right back. And I was like, well, where are you going? I'm still here. <laughs> uh, don't leave. You know, and then he came back and it just, it was like, uh, like the bottom fell out. Cause I was really into the content. You've interviewed some really cool people. I mean, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, just to name a few, Chris Brogan. What is your, and again, everybody interviews, you know, you have the Larry King who does no prep and then you have the other person. Where do you fall into that realm? Cause some people are like, you know, I want to give them the questions. Other people know, you know, what's your philosophy on interviews? Yeah, I, I encourage my clients to do this. And I, I do the same thing even to this day uh, with the, the years of experience behind me. And I, I type out all of my questions in advance of the interview. And when I'm conducting the interview, they're in front of me. Um, I know uh, exactly what I'm going to ask. And not only that, I know exactly how I'm going to ask it. However, uh, having said that, if, if they say something that sparks in me a question that I didn't plan, that doesn't mean I won't ask that question or at least attest the waters in that, in, in that regard. Uh, but I've also practiced you know, years and years and years and years at being able to read verbatim something that is in front of me and not sound like I'm reading it or be able to look at something written in front of me and ad lib it in the moment as I'm reading it to actually add things that aren't there again, so that it doesn't sound like I'm reading it. And that's, that's, that's a skill that can sometimes, uh, you know, take a few years uh, to develop. But in, at the end of the day, and I was just telling a client this earlier today, um, while uh, uh, this particular case, uh, he wasn't quite at a place where he, 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 he didn't sound like he was reading, but I would rather hear a pod, a podcaster sounding maybe a little bit too prepared than one who chooses to go the other extreme and has these, um, you know, multitude of moments where they go off on all these rabbit trails and inevitably what they, what do they do? They leave those things in the podcast and I'm forced as a listener to listen to a 60 minute conversation that could have just as easily have been a 25 minute one. And, and so I, I'm really about, uh, over preparation and, and you can back off from that if you need to in the moment, uh, the great thing about having your questions, um, written out, I think is it frees me up now to do nothing but listen. Yep. I don't, I don't have to at any moment think about, well, what am I going to ask when he wraps up this question or, or wonder how I'm going to phrase that thing I know I wanted to ask that I sort of put in bullet point form, but I haven't really thought about how I'm going to say it. But I'm thinking about that now while he's talking because I'm getting ready to ask it. 
And oh, guess what? I just missed the last 20 seconds of what he said and have no idea what, what, what just transpired. I yeah. don't have to worry about any of that. <laughs> Your guest just admitted that they're actually an alien and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, so tell me about that. And you're like, what? Why didn't you ask him about the alien thing? Yeah. It, you know, it can be really, really awkward or feel awkward if you've not done it uh, too many times. Uh, and my, my clients sometimes will, will point this out. Virtually every uh, n- relatively new podcaster I hear after a guest finishes a question, there is this inevitable um, feeling or need to comment <laughs> on what they just said. Give your own version of that, paraphrase it, restate it, give your opinion of it. And oftentimes what that ends up doing is it just brings the forward momentum of the conversation to a screeching halt. And, and, and I try to get clients to understand that, that oftentimes the best thing you can do when your guest finishes answering a question is just ask the next one, especially if you've done your homework and, and prepped those in advance. So what you're saying is, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) 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 That people rephrase what the person, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Any moments from radio, let's go both ends of the spectrum. Like what was like one of the best things you did in radio? And do you have any fun filled stories that you can tell when you went, yeah, okay. Oops. You know, (laughs) Uh, they didn't break any laws. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my, I was just telling this story to a friend uh, yesterday. One of my favorite stories is when, when I was early in my radio career, I uh, worked on the weekends and, and we aired the, uh, the uh, countdown. I can't remember which, which one this was, American Top 40 or, or uh, it was the Dick Clark one, whichever one that was. Okay. Uh, not the Casey Case one, the Dick Clark one. And, we, and, and, and this was service to the station on vinyl. Okay. So this was, even though this was, you know, the late 80s and CDs were out by then. Right. When this, this countdown, the entire two hour countdown or whatever it was, was serviced on vinyl. And I had a little cue sheet that told me how long the segments were, but I was hungry and I needed to get to Taco Bell. And so I did the math and I knew I could drive down and get my lunch and get back before that 12 or 13 minute segment ended. At least I thought I could. And so <laughs> the segment was, you know, 12, 13 minutes long. And then there would be like a network spot. And then that segment would end. And my job was to play a couple of local spots. And while those were playing, I would queue up the next segment on the record. I run down to Taco Bell. I get to uh, the window and I realize I'm running out of time and my food's not ready yet. And I tell the woman, I said, hey, I'll be right back. I give her the money. Uh, I've got to run, but I'll be back in a few minutes. So I run back to the radio station. I pull in the parking lot and that first network spot's already playing. And I'm running down the hall and the guy at the other uh, sister station's like, what in the world's going on? And I, I push open the studio door just as that network spot is ending. And I have to run around the counter and there's silence on the air here for a few seconds. And I hit the stop button on the turntable and you hear American Top <laughs> or whatever the countdown was. Right. And, and then I, I queued it back up. I got the, the local spots going, got the next segment started and ran back down to Taco Bell and picked up my food and came back and had, had, had my supervisor known that I did that on a regular basis, I would have been fired, but thankfully he never found that out. <laughs> that's the beautiful when you, it's nice to know that your boss was never listening. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I've, I've got all kinds of stories like that. I've got stories of getting locked out of the, uh, of the studio and, 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 nice. uh, you know, having dead air for, and this is like in the middle of the night and, and trying to, to, uh, you know, to get back in the building, um, uh, all kinds of crazy stories, but not that those are all that crazy, but, uh, uh, I mean, I, I have, uh, just been very blessed, as I said early on, with just a really, really long career in that field. And, and I got to do all the things I wanted to do from you know, starting out and working overnights and weekends and sort of paying the dues uh, to, uh, you know, hosting a nationally syndicated morning show and having some awards thrown at me and that sort of thing. And, and, and the cool thing is that when I started, you know, in, in, the, in the 80s, uh, anybody who wanted to do that line of work, and you know this, uh, somebody had to give you permission to do that. You had to, you know, uh, fall into someone's good graces to have that opportunity. But the great thing about podcasting, well, that's, as Seth Godin says, you don't have to to wait to be picked. You can pick yourself. And so if I want to do a show that is heard all over the world, not just in that market I'm on the radio in or in a handful of markets, I can do that. Anybody can do that uh, and, and have their own show. Now, what happens when that's the case? You know, if everybody can have a show or if everybody can write a blog, then, then oftentimes everybody will. And so 
things like, you know, curation uh, become really, really important. And so um, I think there's value in that as well. So uh, I'm a big believer in um, uh, this whole idea of, of time shifted audio, audio on demand, whether that's delivered in a podcast or, or in some other way uh, in the future, I'm, I'm sort of agnostic about, but um, I, I'm super excited about the opportunity for those of us in this space going forward. And we look at the changes in the in new car dashes and what's going on there. Uh, I think the future is as bright as it's ever been uh, for content creators like us. And with your, your read the lead podcast, is that the only podcast you got going at this point? Uh, yes, it's the, it's the only one I've ever done. That's a great, um, you know what? There's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. That's actually, to me, that's like a great plan because the more, you know, there's only 24 hours in a day. And if you're going to do it, to me, it's better to do one podcast really well than to do three. They're kind of, meh, okay. <laughs> so one of the things I always like to ask people is, you know, are, is there anything that's any kind of doors or opportunities or anything that have happened that probably wouldn't have happened because of your podcast? Well, uh, one of the great things um, as a result of it, and I hoped that this would be the case, but I've, I've had so many opportunities uh, to, to speak, uh, which was something I wanted to do more of. And so I get uh, many, many, many more of those requests. Uh, oftentimes, uh, rather than me having to go out and find opportunities, the opportunities are coming to me, which is great. Uh, another um, thing, I guess, that I would say to, to that to that question is, you know, I, I look at the people I've had a chance to sit down and have conversations with. And I, I think all the way back to 2002, 2003, when I my first r real sort of business book experience was Seth Godin's, you know, Purple Cow. And then, you know, here... 13, 12, 13 years later, I'm sitting down with a guy interviewing him for my show that my single, you know, favorite author, a business book author of all time, and who's had a huge impact on, on my personal growth the last dozen years. And so to, to have that opportunity uh, uh, and uh, to have the vehicle with which to do that has just been phenomenal. And then not just Seth, but anybody and everybody I've had the chance to sit down and talk to and the connections that have come as, as a result of that beyond just the guests, but with you know, podcasters like yourself and others. Uh, it's just been uh, a blast. And, and I can't imagine not doing this, you know, for the foreseeable future. I, I, I love the podcast that I do because I love the subject matter so much. I mean, it's, you know, you can argue that it's pretty niche because if you've looked at the, the statistics of the number of people, at least in this country who read, it's really, really low. <laughs> and I'm doing a podcast for people who not only just love to read, but love to read business books. We're talking an even smaller <laughs> group of people, but I, I knew they would be there and I knew the ones that would be there would be, uh, you know, rabid fans of it like I am. And so if, for me, it's not about necessarily trying to reach the biggest group of people I can reach as much as it is about trying to reach the, the people who will get the most out of this. And so I'm loving it. And whether I'm made a dime or not doing it, I would still be uh, doing it. And I think that's important for any podcaster to wrestle with. Oftentimes it's dollar signs and how can I monetize this? And, and those are the motivations. I think the motivations have to be a little bit more sincere than that. And it has to be something you just absolutely love and, and it can help people with at the same time. And then I think, you know, the, uh, any monetization opportunities will come after that. And when it comes to doing interviews, we talked about doing questions, any tips on getting guests? H how do you uh, get somebody on your show without being a pest. <laughs> well, there's, there's a fine line. You know, I, I didn't get Seth the first time I asked Seth. I didn't get Seth the second time I asked Seth. I think it was the third time over the course of about mm, 18 or so, maybe a little less, 16 or so months. Uh, but I, I think um, you, you just have to be passionate about it. I, I think if you, if you, um, if you'll really um, analyze a, a negative response or a no response. I think what you'll find oftentimes is uh, they're not no's as much as they are not right now's. Mm -hmm. And I think the door is left open many times, at least it was for uh, using that Seth example, I, you know, the, the door was still open. And so um, I very respectfully approached a second and a third time. Uh, and so um, I, I think you have to be persistent uh, to, to, uh, to a point um, I think you have to get creative too. Uh, j just as one example, um, I reached out to Gary Vaynerchuk uh, initially via email, got zero response. Uh, I, Gary's pretty active on Twitter, reached out that way, got no response. 
And then um, purposefully, I, th I hoped that something would come of this, but I had no way of knowing for sure if it would happen. Uh, I got my uh, issue of, I think it was Fast Company Magazine uh, at that time that had Gary on the cover. And his book, his new book, uh, Jab, 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 Right Hook, was going to be coming out later that, that month. And I, he was somebody uh, whose first two books I read, and I really wanted to have him on the show. I enjoy his work a great deal. And I wanted to be able to publish that interview on the day his book came out. I don't know why. It just, that was just really important to me. And so when I got that, that magazine subscription that day and he was on the cover, I took a picture of it and I posted it on Instagram and propagated it to Facebook and to Twitter and just lamented that, you know, as, as, as big of a deal Gary is, there's no way a little guy like me is going to get him on my podcast. Well, a guy who had been on my show, a guy by the name of Todd Henry, uh, who hosts a, a podcast called The uh, Accidental Creative. Uh, I had connected to uh, Todd on Facebook. He saw that. And, and guess who he knows? He knows uh -huh. Gary. <laughs> and uh, he, he pointed that out to Gary. And Gary uh, went back to him and said, well, what do you think? Is it worth my time? Uh, long story short, Todd put me in touch with the person who handles Gary's schedule. Uh, and Gary and I did an interview on a Friday uh, before his book came out. I published it on that Tuesday. And, and I knew one of the reasons I wanted to do that, I knew Gary would be all over the place. Uh, he was on uh, Piers Morgan that night. He was on Morning Joe and MSNBC that morning. And so I'm publishing, you know, social media updates that say, uh, you know, Gary, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk's new book is out today on the Morning Joe on MSNBC, Piers Morgan on CNN and the Read to Lead podcast. Um, and so, you know, if you get real creative, <laughs> You know, you, you can't, you know, perception's reality. And so uh, that was a huge uh, shot in the arm for my show to have somebody like a Gary who's, who's doing all these important interviews and my show lumped in with those. Um, and, and then just to be able to have the tenacity to go, okay, I struck out the first time, I struck out the second time. What are some other ways I can get creative? And maybe this works, maybe it doesn't, I don't know, but let's just try this and see if we can't get somebody's attention. It's not always that person you're trying to get Sometimes it's somebody who knows that person who you're already connected with who can help you uh, get there, but that you're not doing anything to let them know that you're striking out. And this was sort of my subtle, creative way to let my network know that I had tried this and failed and somebody caught the hint and went, I can help you. That is a great story, my friend. I'm sitting here smiling ear to ear going, wow, that's really, I was, because I've heard people, you know, mailing beach balls and, you know, <laughs> army men and things like that just to stand out. But that's, it's using your network. That's the beauty of that one. It's mm -hmm. like somebody went, Hey, I know this guy. He's a good guy. I can vouch for you. And, uh, next thing you know, what's it like interviewing? Is he always, I, I guess he is so Gary. I, it'd be like interviewing David Lee Roth. He's just so <laughs> it's like, Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I didn't anticipate but his answers were uh, not just rapid fire in the sense that, that he talked fast, but he, but fast enough that he, that it made his answers really short. <laughs> and so we got about 20 minutes in and I'm looking ahead. I'm going, man, I'm almost done. <laughs> and I, I feel like we just started. So, you know, I, I, I did that thing that I, I hate to admit that I did. And I stopped paying attention to what Gary was saying in, in, in that next answer and started brainstorming what's, what are two or three more questions I can ask this guy? Cause you know, I've only got this one opportunity and I don't want it to be gone in 20 minutes. Uh, I want to make it last a little longer. <laughs> and so I, I came up with a few more there toward the end uh, and then had a, just by nature of the way it went and, 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 and listening back to it later, I ended up uh, editing that one up quite a bit because, because my not being prepared for a moment like that sort of threw me off my game a little bit, frankly. And um, so I had, I had some, some work to do on the back end to really make that one uh, be what I felt it needed to be, uh, as far as up to par. Um, you know, I, I have, uh, some, uh, folks I know who, uh, pride themselves on doing good work, uh, and having lots and lots of downloads every month. Uh, I don't, I don't want to disparage anyone, but they'll, they'll tout the fact that, well, gosh, I don't do any editing to my show. Um, you know, I, I record the interview, uh, and when it's done, I trim the front and I trim the back and I plop it in between my open and close and I publish it. I'm just not capable of doing that. I've spent too many years doing live radio, only getting one chance to get it right. That to be in a medium that gives me chances, multiple chances to get it right and, and to not take advantage of that, I just, I just don't understand that. And so I want to present the best possible product I can. And if that means 
even being super prepared, even if that's not enough at the end when, when it's over and I listen back to it and I go, oh, yeah, this can be better. I still might spend two or three hours editing something that I was super prepared for. Call it, I guess, a perfectionist in one sense. But to me, it's like, well, this, this medium gives me that chance. It gives me that opportunity. So if I can make this more digestible, if I can make this more enjoyable for my listener, then why would I not spend the time to do that? Why would I not take that rabbit trail out that's not going to go anywhere and take the 10 minutes necessary to take that out? Oftentimes, uh, podcasters will look at that and go, well, that's 10 minutes of my time. I don't have time for that and end up wasting 10 minutes of your listeners time or more, you know, uh, to me, their, their time is much more valuable than mine. I mean, that's the way I look at it. And so anything I can do to that, to that finished product to make sure that I'm any time of theirs I'm taking is, is, is in their mind time well spent. Then, then I only then if I done my job. And now it's time for a last five and five. What were the last five podcasts you listened to? Uh, I, I asked this of everybody and that is of course, not so much what were your, your favorites, although if you want to cheat and lie, we can't tell. There's no wires connected to you. Uh, but what were the last five podcasts you listened to? Uh, one of my favorites uh, is uh, the Ray Edwards show. Um, I catch his about every week that I can. Um, and I think he just does a top-notch podcast from beginning to end, former radio guy as well. And so maybe that's part of the reason I like it so much. Um, I, I stepped away from Michael Hyatt's This Is Your Life for a while and recently came came back. Uh, stepped away only because uh, I've been just really, really busy, uh, but I've come back to that one. And, and you know, these are all going to be podcasts that most people know. I'm enjoying uh, Pat Flynn's new video podcast, though he's only a couple of episodes into that. I think his, his next one comes out in a day or two. Uh, the uh, I can't even remember what he calls it now. Um, I think it's just SPI TV, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's it. That's it. Yeah, SPI TV. So I'm enjoying that. I enjoy Internet Business Mastery. Uh, as well. Uh, Dan Miller's I usually catch uh, every Friday. Uh, I, I catch Cliff every now and then. I usually with Cliff's, I check the topic and, and check the, uh, whether or not it's something that I'm curious about. Uh, Jamie Tardy is is one that I'll try to catch mo- more often than not. Yeah, we're into bonus content. Oh, sorry. That's all right. <laughs> I went too far. <laughs> <laughs> That's the good stuff. Well, and this is a, a super easy question. Last one. Tell us a little bit about the Read to Lead podcast. I know nothing about it. No. <laughs> You know, I, I'm really the kind of person who feels like I, I need to always be learning, uh, just on a constant state of learning. Dan Miller on my very first episode said something that has stuck with me these last, you know, 19, 20 months. And he said, if it ever becomes clear that I've stopped learning, dig a hole and push me in because I'm of no use to anybody. And that statement just sums up where my life has been the last dozen years and really sums up uh, my podcast. To me, it's about this environment of learning about bringing in people who are way smarter than any of us uh, uh, listening, <laughs> certainly me. And uh, whether it's uh, leadership, personal development, uh, general business, marketing, career, entrepreneurship, productivity, topics like that. I love reading books about all of those. And so uh, to be able to sit down with with these authors and talk to them about what they're learning, about the, the research that they're doing, uh, the psychology of, of, of the whole process, uh, to me, there's nothing more fascinating. And if that rings true with you, then you'll like a podcast like mine. It, it really is. I kind of consider it sort of an audio cliffs notes in in one sense. Um, I used to think when I first started the podcast that my job was to present the book in its entirety to you. And my philosophy on that changed, I guess, roughly, I don't know, six or so months into the process. And I realized that's really not my, my job. It's, it's to, uh, because you're, you're not going to get everything in, in, in a book in, in that amount of time in 20 or 30 minutes. And so my job is to wet your whistle enough to know for certain whether or not this is a book you need to dig into more on your own or whether it's, uh, you know, one that you can skip. Having said that, you know, I always want to make sure that there's something new to be learned. And I pride myself on vetting these, these authors, um, you know, I talked about the importance of curation and how that's becoming more and more valuable earlier. I say at the outset of my show and the introductory episode that, you know, I'm not going to bring on somebody that I don't feel is less than, or somebody that I feel is less than a, you know, a five-star author of a five-star book, you know? So if you trust my judgment at all, you can rest assured in knowing that the, this person sitting here is somebody who I've, I have vetted and who I feel is worth your time. I'm not just interviewing them because I needed to fill a, 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 spot. a, a spot, you know? And so uh, that to me is really important. So if you love business books specifically and you love hearing from the people who have written them uh, and, and somebody who's 
been interviewing people for a little while, ask those questions, then, then, then the Read to Lead podcast is one that you'll probably enjoy. Super nice guy. I love that line about coming from a medium where you get one shot at doing it. Why wouldn't you edit? If you think about it, books have editors, magazines have editors, newspaper have editors, movies have editors, you know, and yet so many people are like, I'm just going to record it and let it go. And that's fine. It is podcasting. You can do it that way, but you also have the ability to polish it and make it go. And speaking of that, I'm going to play some, uh, some bloopers here in a minute. And what was interesting about this is I'm interviewing Jeff and I've heard about what a great interviewer he is. I've heard about his uh, uh, podcaster Academy and I've heard about readleadpodcast.com. And I was actually a little intimidated by Jeff because he had such a radio background and things like that. And um, so you'll hear me kind of blub. You know, I was too busy listening to his content so then when it was time to ask a new question, I was like, yeah. and then at one point I, um, I knew where I wanted to go with Jeff and I had most of the questions in my head, but I didn't have them written down. Should have had them written down. You'll hear me ask a, uh, a question here that was just the dumbest question ever. And I'm like, okay, that's making the blooper real. So want to thank you so much for listening in, uh, coming up on the show. We'll have some podcast rewinds. We'll, um, we had a great because of my podcast story today with Jeff saying about how he got speaking gigs from that. We got a last five and five from Jeff. That was awesome. So we'll have more of those. If you have one of those because of my podcast story, or uh, if you want to tell me what were the last five podcasts you listened to, always love to hear those and why you listen to them. Uh, just do it in less than five minutes. You can do that. Go to school slash contact. And if you'd like to join the school of podcasting, use the coupon code listener. And before I forget to mention, if you haven't got your tickets yet for New Media Expo, we talked about the podcast awards today, use the coupon code SOP2015. That'll save you $100 off. And uh, I would love to shake your hand at uh, the New Media Expo. It's going to be a great time. And I do look forward to, uh, to seeing you. So until next week, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I hope to see you on the inside. Until next week. Class is dismissed. Take care and God bless. And so as you're doing that, let me, let me think of this will be edit point one. This is my problem as I sit here and listen and I, I had a couple notes scribbled and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I know where I want to go and now I'm... I'm what other, uh, you know, things that you, you do in radio that maybe uh, a podcaster could learn from? Oh, that's, that's about it. Yeah, you just yeah. tapped my entire 26 years of now. I'm going to say, not that, that <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you this, because you've, you, you've uh, let me take it a different, let me give you a, a target to hit. Uh, here, let, just, here's the most open-ended question ever. <laughs> you paint it in.